0: Welcome into the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray, a locally produced program devoted to bringing you a fresh perspective on housing, diving into the issues that matter most. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray is presented by Mortgage Investors Group, and now, Kevin Ray. Welcome into
1: the Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray. I am your host. I'm here with Mark Griffith, our executive producer and co-host. This show is presented by Mortgage Investors Group. And we want to tell you guys, before we get started, how to plug in with us. Number one, you can go to thehousinghour.com. You can check out all of our past shows, our current show, share it with friends and family. And we'd love for you to connect with us on social media as well. We're at the uh, facebook.com slash thehousinghour, as well as on Twitter at thehousinghour. And you can find us on LinkedIn as, if you want. We do post there as well and then we also have um Mark's Pinterest page we'd love for you to check that out as well no oh, please that you know he is a pinner amongst all pinners and, and and in studio with us the MIG studios we also have our very special guest special very special guest Dr. Michael Simpson doctor how are you today i'm doing great and i must
2: be special because i always accept your invitation yes <laughs> so.
1: i think the chinese <laughs> that, food helped Well, we, we've called you in here today, sir. We'd like to have a a, a sit down with you because, um, you're a doctor and, you know, although you're not a medical doctor, not a physician, you're not a physician, but you possess a lot of knowledge that we've been just blessed enough to be able to listen to and, and, and help, um, you know, create for us information out of your knowledge. And I think that's what this show was built for. We want to build people's, you know, knowledge base and then they can make their own determination, But there's so much going on in the world today, and one of the things that is top of mind, it's right out there in the center of everything, is this coronavirus. And so um, when we thought coronavirus, we thought Dr. Mike Simpson. (laughs) Obviously.
3: Yes. But you've had experience with working with viruses and research, haven't you? I have,
2: yeah. Actually, I've I've done some work with a lot of virologists working on HIV, Mm. which is also a virus yeah uh, a different kind of virus um but yeah it, it has you, a lot of the
1: same if i'm not mistaken you told what was it that you told us one time back a few dozen shows ago or something <laughs> something about hiv and i can't remember what it was but you i think it was involving your work and what it was that you guys w- were set what was your path and i can't remember what what was your work right. around that virus
2: so we we work on a thing called pro uh, proviral latency mhm and so that's a, a process where the virus isn't active, but it sits there like a time bomb waiting to go off. Mm-hmm. And it's the reason why you can't cure AIDS right this very moment. Right. You can put people on the cocktail, their viral load goes to zero. They seem like they're cured, but if you take the cocktail away, the virus pops back up because mm. those little time bombs, those latent infections pop out. That's incredible. Right. So not a problem with the coronavirus. Coronavirus, as far as we know, doesn't have a latent pathway. Mm-hmm. So that's not going to be a problem with the coronavirus.
1: And we think, and, and I don't know that there's any evidence of this, but like other, you know, epidemics, and I don't know, this, a pandemic is not what this is, first and foremost. I'm not sure exactly what this is, and I'll ask you that question, too. Are you sure it's not a pandemic? Well, I, I think <laughs> that it hasn't, I guess, received that as of today, March 2nd. But mm-hmm. um I guess one of the things that people think of when they think of the coronavirus is they think of, oh goodness gracious, I'm going to die if I get it. Um, the H1N1, if you look back at the um, trajectory of cases, um, that definitely had more cases at the beginning stages, but over time there were a lot more H1N1 cases. They think than there will be coronavirus. Now that's just Dr. Sanjay Gupta, I don't know where he got that information from. But um, is this a new pathogen that we might have discovered, do you think?
2: So there's a whole family of, so coronaviruses, there's four coronaviruses that have infected people before. Mm -hmm. SARS was a coronavirus, MERS, Mm -hmm. you might remember those. Those were both coronaviruses. About the mortgage MERS mark. Right, Mm -hmm. So yeah MERS was the the Middle Eastern respiratory syndrome, mm-hmm. and SARS was the secure the severe acute respiratory syndrome. Mm-hmm. Those were both coronaviruses uh, as far as we know, they don't circulate anymore those two don 't circulate anymore because they were so deadly mm-hmm. that they were easy to isolate people to yeah. knock down the infections. There are four that circulate now mm-hmm. uh, and they cause for the most part cause much milder symptoms than than this one, which is called the novel the the novel. Uh, coronavirus. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this one is not as deadly as either SARS or MERS, Mm -hmm. but it seems to be significantly uh, more, more fatal than um, seasonal flu. Right. So that's about where we are right now. Yeah. I I think
1: the number that I saw was two, well, this was uh, four days ago, which I know things change, but the um, fatality rate, if you will, was at around 2% with this Particular one, whereas with the seasonal flu, it's like point 0.1. Point one.
2: That th- so the point one we know right. pretty well. The two percent is um, probably a slight overestimate mm-hmm. because we probably have not accounted all the infections mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. there's a lot of mild infections that aren't right. counted. So my best guess, and the best guess from the virologists I talked to, is is the fatality rate is probably more
3: like one percent. Okay. All right. So, in in, what in the, about reinfection, can once you get it, are you done?
2: So, uh, you you actually with so first of all, we don't know. This is a new a coronavirus that's just emerged, and so what we know is is what's happened with other coronaviruses and other viruses like this. And typically, what happens is is that you have some immunity that lasts for some amount of time. So, you know, with some viruses, so for example, you know the some of these childhood viruses you get, uh, chickenpox, for example, uh, you can get an immunity to those that can last a lifetime. With most viruses, coronaviruses, there is some, you know, there's some immunity for some amount of time, and you probably don't get reinfected immediately. We don't know that that's true about this coronavirus, but there's reason to suspect that that's probably true, that once you get it, you're probably not going to get it again soon. And
1: then the other thing is this is not an airborne spread disease that we know of current state. No, it's actually droplets. It is. It's droplets.
2: Well it's it's droplet, right? So it's it's aerosol. Okay. Right? So it's uh it, it it's spread like like most respiratory viruses. Mm-hmm. So it's spread in droplets that people sneeze out and cough out mm-hmm. and uh, and then are you know reinhaled by other people. It can be on surfaces. You can pick it up on surfaces. Okay. So you know, one of the uh, pieces of advice you get, you know, is wash your hands often. Mm-hmm. People kind of snicker at that, and they go, "That's the best you've got."
1: I've been doing that a
2: lot. Yeah, <laughs> it's a funny thing about that—that that actually cuts down on infection rates by fifty percent. Wow. So, so if you if you had a pill, if you go, "Oh, you could take this pill and it'll cut down your infection rate by fifty percent," people line up to buy it. You tell oh, them to, sure. You tell yeah. them to wash their hands, and they snicker at you. Right. So, yeah. w-
3: what about packing material? Can it? Can that? be infected by overseas shipping
2: so that's that's a possibility what they don't know right now is how long it survives on surfaces right right a so couple a few days maybe potentially it, it, it could be days to weeks right mm-hmm. uh so so right now they just don't know mm-hmm. that's 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 the problem with a new pathogen is all you know is what you know about pathogens that are similar right and you don't know if that's going to turn out to be true for this one so right now we don't know how long it lasts on surfaces yeah
1: now, this, I want to play this for us. This is Dr. Sanjay Gupta, which, um, you know, I think everybody has their own thought process on this, but I wanted to play this. It's just a short clip. He's been talking about this was this morning um, and this sharp increase in cases and then the second, pers- second confirmed death. So he was brought on to talk a little bit about um, what this means for the immediate future, and then we'll hear Dr. Sanjay Gupta, and then we'll hear Dr. Michael Simpson respond. Here we go. Dr. Sanjay Gupta, this is CNN's Jake Tapper. No, I'm kidding. I'm having a hard time loading it up, but I'm going to get it loaded up here in just a second. But let me just tell you what the gist of what he said was. He is He's saying, number one, this increase in number of cases um, could be looked at in two different ways. Number one, it could be looked at as people begin to panic that, that the increase in the number of cases, but it also could help provide, and it kind of went to what you just said, it went to the number of cases and learning more about how it is spread the symptoms that it shows and big time this for us and everyone that's listening is how you can prevent it because um, if we have an increase in um, cases but the death toll um, stays low that goes to that one percent number that it could be so there's there's kind of several things he said that we'll probably see a huge increase because of the 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 testing that is beginning to to occur,
2: Right. So you've got two things that are going on here that you have to, that you have to keep in mind. One thing is, is you're having new infections. Mm-hmm. The other thing you're having is you're having testing protocols being ramped up. And so what you get reported to you every day isn't necessarily the new cases, the new infections. It's the new reports. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now that'll eventually catch up and it'll eventually be the same thing. Right now, it's not. It's not exactly the same thing. And so sometimes what you'll see is you'll see, like, if you hear some, like, big number of 500 new reported cases, mm-hmm. that could be because there was a backlog of testing. Right. And those cases had come along over several days, but then they you know sort of cleared a bottleneck in the testing.
1: Now, we only have about 20 seconds left in this, so I want you to keep that thought. Yeah. And when we come back, I may have Dr. Sanjay Gupta's clip <laughs> as well. But this... This coronavirus, Dr. Simpson is helping us understand what the impact could be and really the nuts and bolts of how a disease works from, from a, just a, a spreading standpoint. Also, um, you know, really because sometimes they don't pull the curtain back on what exactly happens um, on a national level. And we're going to talk all about that because he's going to help us understand it. Guys, stick around with us. We're going to be right back with Dr. Michael Simpson and Mark Griffith right after these messages.
0: Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray.
1: Again, this is Kevin Ray. Thank you guys for joining us. I'm here with Dr. Mark Griffith. I'm <laughs> just kidding. And Dr. Michael Simpson. Um, and uh, Dr. Simpson is with uh, the University of Tennessee. Also, he is with ORNL. So he does a kind of Double duty—you have quite a bit going on there, and I'm sure that your life is very busy. And I know that you continue to work in nanophysics. Is that correct? Or nanoscience? Is that yes, that's yes. one of the the main Na- thrusts? Nanobiosciences Na- is where I work. All right, at. and that is—we need to at some point do a show just on that alone. Just on nanobio- we tried once, yeah. And yes. Over he, our heads. You, oh, I know that's right. <laughs> um, but I wanna really thank you for coming in. It's it's important, and we definitely don't want to make light of of the coronavirus. And I'm not here to do that whatsoever. Um, you know, there is a lot of information out there. Some of it's misinformation and some of it's good information. I think you can trust the housing hour f- to bring you source information that we feel good about that. We're not going to try to, you know, you know, pollute the airways with misinformation. And I did finally, I think maybe pull up Dr. Sanjay Gupta, uh, when he was asked about the latest round of, um, Cases that were that were reported. So let's see if we can't listen to that clip. This is Dr. Sanjay Gupta. Yes, uh, I think that uh, the the news that people are going to hear over the next few days is that these numbers are going to go up and that's going to maybe uh, uh, alarm people and maybe it shouldn't alarm people that much because a couple things. First of all, that that's been expected. You guys have been talking about this morning. This community spread means that there are more cases out there. The testing is now going to reveal these cases. But two is that uh, if they are positive and they didn't know they were positive, they're found by surveillance, that means that they weren't that sick. They can spread it. That's a concern. And they can spread it to people who could get sick, you know, who are elderly, who have pre-existing conditions. That's a concern. But still, I think there is some solace in this idea that the vast majority of people aren't going to get sick from this. I I don't want to minimize that. Okay, he does not want to minimize it. What do you? What's your take on what he said?
2: Yeah, so so I, I couldn't agree more. He's actually a physician, mm-hmm. you know, so you should listen to him more than right. listen to me, right? But, <laughs> yeah, but but I couldn't agree more. I mean, uh, like I said, I think the fatality rate is going to come down from that two percent because mm-hmm. we're going to find out there's a bunch of um, undiagnosed cases, mm-hmm. and so you're going to find out that a lot of people get very mild symptoms, right? And um. But there's, there's particular populations of people that are really at risk, mm. right? It turns out that your risk goes up with age. Mm-hmm. And uh, two of the people sitting here in the studio right now are in one of the age groups that where it has gone up. Yeah. yeah oh, so wow. The fatality rate for people in their 50s is about 3.6% right now. Mm. Okay and by the time you get into the 80s the fatality rate right now is getting up to around 15%. Mm. Now, I don't think it's age related. I think it's it's what they call comorbidity related, mm-hmm. so it's people that have underlying health conditions. Okay. And so just people that are older have or more often have these things. Does
1: that Now I know we're not saying this is similar to the flu or anything like that, but what you just mentioned as far as the age differences for this the regular seasonal flu. Does that parallel in some ways? It, it is
2: It is parallel. And this is one of the big differences between this and the Spanish flu, which was the epidemic oh, of yes. the pandemic of 1918. It killed, it primarily killed younger people. It killed people in their 20s and 30s and 40s. Um, and it, uh, wow. yeah, and it, it's, it's, a, it's a special kind of response you get called a cytokine storm. That happens and kills people with really strong immune systems. So this one does not appear to be that. This one appears to be one that kills people that have other underlying conditions for the most part. Now, I want you to understand there are people that were perfectly fine, perfectly healthy, had no underlying conditions and did die from this. Uh That's
3: true with the flu too, right?
2: It's true with the flu. The flu, you know, seasonal flu has a a case fatality rate of about 0.1%. Um, and Mark, I mean, you
3: know someone here locally. Oh, absolutely, a friend of mine passed I, away from the flu, and he perfectly healthy. I knew
2: someone thirty thirty one years old who passed away from uh, from seasonal flu wow. and was was perfectly healthy. So, it, so it happens, right? It happens, and um, you know, if it if it turns into pneumonia, if it turns into inflammation in the in the lungs, and you get into uh, respiratory distress, there's a thing called ARDS, mm. adult respiratory distress. Okay. If it turns into ARDS, then, then things can go downhill in a hurry.
1: A couple of things I want to talk about right now since we're early in the segment. But this next clip is from a, uh, the gentleman's name is Dr. Matt McCarthy, and he is an infectious disease physician. That's his designation, but he works at one of the busiest hospitals in America. And he's talking about very passionately that he doesn't have a way to easily test for this. So let's talk, let's, let's, let's listen to him
0: quickly.
2: Let me tell you the problem right now. Before I came here this morning, I was in the emergency
0: room seeing patients. I still do not have a rapid diagnostic test available to me. Well, that's easy to do, is it not? Is it hard to manufacture? It is is easy to do for some countries. What happened in the United States is that the CDC created a test up a reagent. Sent a test out to 50
2: states and then said, "Oh, hold up. Don't use it. Let us fix okay, it." How it's can now you March. Get it now, we hear that it's coming very soon, but I'm here to tell you right now at one of the busiest hospitals in the country, I don't have it at my fingertips. I still have to call the Department of Health. I still have to make my case plead to test people. This is not good. We know that there are 88 cases in the United States. There are going to be hundreds by middle of the week. There's going to be thousands by next week. So and we- this is-
1: now, certainly, he's he's got a good point, and they have to fix that pretty quick, don't they?
2: Right. I mean, so this is a problem, right? As he pointed out, the, the CDC distributed a test that they then had to come back and go, oops, it doesn't really work. Mm-hmm. And it turned out that there were three markers in the test, and two of the three they think actually did work, and the third one didn't. Mm. So they were ending up with un- inconclusive results because they would get two positives and a negative. Mm, okay. So now they're 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 telling them to use those tests, but only use the first two markers, right? And then they're calling these presumptive positives.
1: So they're not they're not right. they they could be false positives, but the right. the likelihood is that right. It's positive. So they're,
2: they're calling those presumptive positives, and then what they do is they send those samples to CDC to be tested at the mm-hmm. CDC.
1: Uh, to do that for every because we anticipate um, yeah. based upon just the history here mm-hmm. that, that that this eighty eight is going to go quickly to a thousand, I would imagine. Um, yeah. So,
2: so like I, like I said earlier that, that 88, I think it's 91 now okay. is that was uh, this morning. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Today's that, March 2nd, by the way. Yeah. That th- that's the number that have been, um, confirmed positive. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Does that mean confirm meaning not just the two, so but the
2: CDC is confirmed. Gotcha. Those, right. Okay. The Cause CDC, there could be more that are there's, pending. There's
1: more presumptives. Gotcha. Now. Okay.
2: And, um, you know, and that the, the number has got to be much, much larger than that. I mean, mm-hmm. it just has to be because, you know, with these um, these two deaths in Washington were from community spread.
1: Right? Meaning that they came Me- meaning, separate from.
2: Right. Meaning they didn't get it from somebody we know source. that has it. <laughs>
1: yeah. Okay. Right?
3: OK. Question. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Because th- this one is the one that really I'm thinking about constantly. Um what do you do once they test the positive? Does it change the treatment procedure or protocol? What do we do other than the fact that we're reporting statistics to the population? What do we do as far as clinical so, reactions?
2: So something that, every, that, that um, everybody needs to understand, right? Because every now and then you'll see in you know, a doctor's office, you'll see a mother just demanding antibiotics for a child. This is a virus, it's not a bacteria, antibiotics won't do anything, okay? Now, sometimes people do get secondary bacterial infections, and antibiotics will help that, but but the primary problem here is a viral infection. There aren't nearly as many antiviral drugs as there are antibiotics, and so there's very limited uh, antiviral drugs, and for the most part, antiviral drugs have to be given early, an infection for it to work, but this has like a 14-day latency period, or not latency period, but incubation period before the infection really shows up. How many days? 14, okay. I think. Yeah, 14 days is what, is what I've read. So, so somewhere in there. So right now, for the most part, they treat the symptoms. There's, there's doing, they are doing some testing on a couple of the antiviral uh, drugs, and I don't know at the moment uh, what, the, what the results of that testing has been.
3: But, but you, you, but you understand what I'm asking. I mean, is it that important to understand that what you're dealing so with? So it's
2: not that important for treating the patient. Yes, the most, the most important reason for doing this testing is for understanding the spread of the disease. So that's really what they're after. For the most part, they would treat you for this like they would treat you for any viral infection that you showed up with.
3: So is there a sense of urgency to get this kits to tr- you know to test at the? I mean so, it sounded urgent that yeah. guy
2: well, sounded that guy, very yeah. so so, you so I think, listen to the rest I, of it I think, it's I think the urgency is about being able to have community wide responses to the spread of the disease mm-hmm. now something I think you have to understand is, is um if China had not reacted as strongly as they reacted that could have gotten out of hand in China right they they limited it for the most part to that one province it didn't spread as fast as it could have spread um, because they clamped down on it,
1: yeah um, and that we're talking we talk, we're talking about province they have billion i mean there's probably a billion i don't know how many people in that province, but it's a lot of people it's,
2: it's I think it was something like eleven million right? yeah it's, I mean a, it's a large it's number of people big number of people yeah.
1: bigger so, than New York yeah so, City.
2: so you know these these kinds of things, you know these kinds of things like uh, shutting down big events and shutting down people places where people congregate and shutting down schools and these kinds of things that you can do. You need to know what you're dealing with with the spread of the disease to know which one of those you should do and which ones are going to
1: work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and I think that the president... Um, on his side and he did uh, assign uh, about said dr mike pence i vice president pence handsome. as the leader of this um and so we'll see what they can do as far as mitigating or containing i do want to talk more about the difference between containment and mitigation um after these messages because i think it's important for people to know stick around with us we'll be right back
0: Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray.
1: Welcome back into the Housing Hour. Again, this is Kevin Ray. Thank you guys for joining us, and we are so thankful to have you into the Housing Hour today. Uh, we have with us in studio, as usual, we have Dr. Mark Griffith. <laughs> That's an honorary degree, right, Mark? <laughs> I don't know why I keep saying that, because I obviously know you're not uh, but we—he's a doctor of mortgages. Let's call him that. And we also have with us Dr. Mike Simpson. Um, he has been on several times. We just are so thankful that he came in to meet with us again today. And um, he uh, comes to us from ORNL, the labs, um, working with uh, nano. What would you call it? Nano biosciences. Yes. Yeah. And then as well, the University of Tennessee. Um, What all do you do out there? You teach some classes in the past. I know that. I do. I'm
2: teaching this semester.
1: Oh, that's awesome. What are you teaching this semester? Yeah,
2: I'm teaching Introduction to Material Science. Oh, We don't talk much about viruses in that (laughs) course.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Well, we appreciate you taking the time out. And I did want to play another clip for everyone before we started on this segment. And then we're going to continue talking um, specifically about uh, this virus and the things to keep track of. But you know, everyone heard Dr. I mean, uh, I'm just calling everybody a doctor. <laughs> President Trump's uh, press release or press conference a few days ago didn't go great, right? Um, and this was a take from uh, The Daily Show uh, based upon that. And, and before I do play it, I did want to mention this too because um, in, in defense of people who are politicians, first and foremost, these guys are not medical doctors. But with that being said, before they come out and actually make any kind of claims or statements, because the the public is listening, you know, to these folks. And before you just come out and say anything at all, you need to be very conscious of, of how that might affect um, your, you know, public. And I don't know that the, the president thought that all the way through, if you will. I may be wrong about that, but there needed to be a very clear statement from the president um to make people not uh, misunderstand what we're dealing with here, so I think that might be where there there was a little bit of a miss. Um, now, with that being said, um, you know they do have somebody in charge now uh, in Vice President Pence who is helping to coordinate um, the the efforts. Um, some people may have more confidence in Mike Pence than they would in Donald Trump, but its bottom line is it's the CDC, it's the local. You know, gov- the local health providers um, that are helping to um, take this problem head on. So, anyway, this is just a little clip from the Daily Show that I thought you guys would enjoy. Let's see if it plays. All
3: right, because Trump, first of all, if you saw the briefing, didn't seem to know anything that we didn't. It's like he just gets his news online with us. He's just like I, I saw a thing. It looks bad. It's really pretty bad. <laughs> it's like some people have it. A lot of people have it. You might have. It. I'm, 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 I don't even let that have it. And earlier, earlier this week, earlier this week, when Trump was briefed on the virus, he seemed less concerned about a pandemic hurting people than he was about it hurting the economy. Because that's Trump's real nightmare, right? If his stock market gets sick, yeah, he would be like, no, not my poor stock market, (laughs) not Wall Street. I'll nurse you back to health with my special chicken soup. It's a KFC
0: bucket poured with Diet Coke. (laughs)
1: So that was the daily show. And, you know, the big fear for Donald Trump and for any politician, I think, is that this is a, you know, this is an election year. So you don't want the economy to go south. Um, But there is this PR problem that doesn't always align with the medical solution. Does that make sense? Is that what you see?
2: Oh wow, we we uh we get so far outside my areas of expertise uh-huh. so often around. But here. your opinions, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have I have more of those <laughs> than I have areas of expertise. <laughs> yeah. But but you know, one thing that's clear, and and actually this has been worried about for a while, is that this world, the economies, the world's economies are more interconnected now than they've ever been. Uh-huh. So I epidemic, a viral infection in China disrupts supply chains and you disrupt supply chains and suddenly factories start to be idle in the U.S. And right now they can't make iPhones, right? They, they can't sell iPhones because they're not getting all the parts they need. They're not getting f- iPhones uh, assembled and distributed. Right. So, um, and that is just a function of how interconnected our global economies are right now. So when the 1918 Spanish flu happened, a lot of people got sick. A lot of people died. It was a horrible tragedy. But the economies weren't interconnected in the same way. So
1: you didn't for have to. For the record, for the record, Apple is up 10% today. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, <laughs> yeah,
2: th- there's, there was a little bit of a dead cat bounce. Yes, I love that.
3: Let's point yeah. something out, too. Yeah. Um, uh, because in in when there's been a global catastrophe in some way, we all of our presidents sometimes have been slow to react. Uh, for example, if a hurricane hits Puerto Rico, we don't—we're accused of not reacting soon enough or quick enough. Mm-hmm. Katrina, we didn't react quick enough, soon enough. Mm-hmm. So, it seems to be a pattern of our federal government that sometimes these types of things aren't responded quickly and with the yeah, there's a. Yeah, there's or, a certain
2: lack of nimbleness, I think, that you could say happens in a big organization, right? Mm-hmm. Like a like a federal government, for example. I think some of the more um solid concerns would be the fact that um we cut the White House office of of pandemic readiness right so that was eliminated that was eliminated by this administration CDC budget's been cut it's been cut and it's been cut and it's been cut over the last few years and so there's there was a weakening of our ability to respond to pandemics that has happened over the last three or four years, which I think has gotten, you know, some people are sort of pointing out. Well, we knew a pandemic was going to happen. We knew one was going to come. That was this was not the right time for us to be cutting those particular areas and programs. So, yeah, we that that hurt. We weren't ready. We weren't ready to respond.
1: When when I was headed out of the country back uh, last month, um, or actually two months ago. And I was um, on the plane and I decided to watch a Netflix um, documentary on pandemics, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and it was talking about um, the question of it's not the question of um, if it's going to happen. It's a question of when, yeah, when do you yeah. do you adopt that thought process? Because um in my mind what the, first of all what is the definition of a pandemic mm-hmm. and then if you don't mind tackling that question of um not when but if or not if but when
2: yeah so so pan literally just means wide mm-hmm. so when something starts to spread all over the world it's a pan whatever it is like you mm-hmm. the pan games for example are worldwide games right so a pandemic is an epidemic that that crosses international boundaries and crosses a lot of international boundaries. And then it's a pandemic at that point. So that that's what that term means. Um, and there the World Health Organization used to officially call pandemics. They used they used to raise a flag and go, this is a pandemic. They apparently don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. They apparently just raise threat levels.
1: Uh-huh. Okay. Right.
2: And I think they actually raised their highest threat level. Okay. Okay, so um, take that for what it's worth. They don't officially call pandemics anymore, but they raise their highest uh, threat level. Uh, for this particular uh, spread of this virus.
1: So on Wednesday, I guess, of last week, Dr. or not Dr. <laughs> representative Adam Schiff, everybody's a doctor, yeah. um, Democrat of California tweeted, the Trump administration has slashed the CDC funding and left positions charged with managing pandemics vacant. The budget, budget request for coronavirus funding shows they still don't understand the mag- magnitude of the threat. Um, So in response to that, Alex Azar, who is the um, Health and Human Services Secretary, said during the president's tenure, every part of our preparedness and infectious disease program activity has been enhanced and expanded. So, you know, it's just another one of those he said, he said type of things. But the proof is in the pudding. I mean, if your budget has cut the funding, it doesn't matter how you slice it. There's probably a little bit of misinformation on both sides, would you say?
2: Yeah, and you know, uh, so just to be completely honest, I haven't looked at this closely enough to know. Right, me exactly. Either. To be honest, the, me either. You know the right answers, and so probably I should. It's just best for me not
1: to even go right, there. Right. Um, when it gets into politics, people yeah. are it's gamemanship and it's yeah. it's posturing, right? Right. It,
2: yes, and so um, you know the big question now is 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 how how we're going to respond to this, uh-huh. and um and right now there's not a lot of evidence that we haven't responded well. Uh And, uh, but there is a fair amount of evidence that we've been slow to test and monitor and understand where we are. And that's probably where we have to get next. Yeah. Totally. And then where we have to get after that is, is, is mitigation.
1: Okay. Okay. I did say, uh, I wanted to talk about that and what I'd like to do since we're only a minute away from the end of this segment is let's talk in the beginning of the next segment. I have a clip here from, uh, the vice president on Jake Tapper's program, um, and I want to play. It's just what it's less than a minute, uh, where uh, Jake Tapper asks a very pointed question, and I'd, I'd like for us to first listen to that. And then let's talk a little bit about the difference between containment and mitigation. Are those the two things to contrast? Uh,
2: Sure, they're they're different things, right? You know, containment at this point is probably not possible.
1: Right, that's kind of what was being said. I want mitigation is mitigation is possible. Okay, so we're going to go through that process after these messages because I think it's important for the viewer or listeners to understand the difference between the two and folks just continue with us because we've got all the information for you right here right now right here on the housing hour we will be right back
0: Housing hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray.
1: Welcome back into the Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray uh, making a house call here for you today. Is Doctor Michael Simpson, and we are talking about the coronavirus. And uh, we have uh, the first three segments focused on what is it, how does it spread. Um, some maybe some myths trying to debunk some and also add some insight into uh, what's going on and, and, and how we can be preventative. And there is a, a lot that we can do from a prevention standpoint. It goes back to the ABCs of not spreading germs and not spreading diseases and so forth. It's washing your hands, being very cognizant in public places, not touching your hands um, to your nose or mouth without washing them. Um making sure that obviously areas are clean because we don't know just yet. Dr. Simpson pointed out that how long this thing will survive on surfaces. So we have to be very uh, conscious of, uh, you know, where we are just, you know, spending our time Um, airplanes. There's been a lot of travel um, bans and, and warnings and cautions and so forth. In other words, you're not going to see a flight coming in probably from that province of China into New York in the near future. So there are things we can do to limit exposure to the American people. Um, The princess cruise line where 600 cases may have in fact been the source of where it came on to our shores. We don't know that, do we, or it could be, I don't know.
2: Yeah, actually I'd, um, you know, I don't think it is, right? Yeah. Maybe it's it's not where community spread came from, right? Because yeah. when those people got repatriated, they were not released out into the public. Right, right. So right. community spread came from other other places.
1: Yeah. Well, there was a guy that was on Fox News yesterday. Did you all see that clip of him with his daughter with the bottled water? And he had been quarantined him and his daughter, mm-hmm. and he's not he didn't he, he tested negative for it, but he had they had quarantined him after coming from that exact province. And he, so it could have been something along those lines, someone who came from before it became, you know, this news, mm-hmm. and maybe they spread it that way because of the fact that the symptoms are very subtle. So mm-hmm. this is the tapper, uh, just the, the, on Pence. He was on the, the tapper show yesterday, and this was uh, the vice president responding to a question And I'm going to play that for you guys. And it's about one minute. So let's see if we can't tap that up.
0: There are other people who uh, have community spread coronavirus. Um, What is being done to figure out how they contracted this virus?
4: The way that works, Jake, is that uh, local health officials are in the lead. But in the cases this weekend and this week that emerged as a, uh, as you said, a community uh, infection uh, we send CDC officials in to work very closely to identify where they potentially were exposed to the coronavirus. And uh, that aggressive effort is underway. Uh, and uh, who, who heads that? CDC, HHS? Uh, actually, our local officials, local health officials, state health officials are the front line of defense, but we move CDC personnel in immediately. They consult with them because the objective is we get that patient treated, but we want to find out not just where they got it, but we want to find out who else may have been exposed so those people can receive the kind of treatment and and have the kind of recovery that most Americans will have that, that even contract this disease. What do you see-
1: so he was responding to that question, what we were just talking about. And so what are your thoughts on what the vice president said?
4: Well,
2: I, I think what he said was right, right? Mm-hmm. That, that um, you know, I do think that uh, the efforts of the local efforts and the CDC efforts to um, identify contacts with people that they found have been infected, I think they've been, um, I think they've been competent. I think mm-hmm. they've been effective at finding this. Uh, I think that's why they feel pretty confident that these cases that are starting to show up now were community spread Uh, because uh they couldn't draw a straight line between these people and other infected people or travel to places where the infection were happening. So that means that they got it from somebody in the community that isn't part of the known network Uh of people that are infected. And so that means that the virus is out in those communities and for the most part it also means that those people aren't that sick. Right. But they are still spreading the virus.
1: Right. And for the people in the right. age category categories and the pre-existing health issues, those are people that are most at risk. Right. You go over to grandma's house, you have it, you don't know you have it. You may infect that person, that's
2: the that's the fear, right? That That's the fear, right? And the, the fear is, and, and I don't know that this has been confirmed or not, but there's at least been some thought that you could spread the virus before you even had any symptoms at all.
1: I did hear that as Dang. well.
2: And so that that's particularly worrisome, right? Mm-hmm. Because if you get sick and you go, oh, I'll stay wh- home from work or I won't send my child to school today, if you weren't infectious yet, you know, until you started to show symptoms, that'd be great. But if you were already able to infect people and you didn't have any symptoms yet that's more troublesome
1: yeah now does ever do you guys recall that movie outbreak with um uh rain man dustin Dustin hoffman Hoffman, uh really actually a very good movie and there was another one as well which this is not and this is kind of what i'm saying outbreak was probably more realistic than maybe some might realize um but because they were able they were attempting to track down where exactly that monkey that had received whatever it was you know it was very very medical and and so forth but then you have the extreme that some people take this to... Have you all ever seen the movie I Am Legend? Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love I that know. movie, I'll be honest with you. But it, this isn't that, obviously. I mean, we're not t- turning into zombies. So I think that those are the two extremes. You know, you have you have real true medical intervention and in, in some of the things that we can help prevent. And do you remember when the CDC did that mock marketing plan a couple of years ago about what to do if there's a zombie apocalypse? Yeah. And it was a play on... Just yeah. Is trying to, you know, make it more fun to interact with the CDC and all of that. But Mark, you had something. Well, let's talking.
3: go back to your question: yeah. uh, your containment versus mitigation. Oh, yeah. so I, I really, that. I really want to know what what yeah. we can do. What, what's the difference between yes. the two, and what can, what can we do?
2: So, so SARS and MERS were contained. So, SARS and MERS were people got sick enough, and the fatality rate was high enough mm-hmm. that you could identify all the people that had it. You could stop it from spreading. Okay, so SARS and MERS were contained; they didn't spread widely through the community. Okay, um, very unlikely that this coronavirus is going to be contained. You know, it's it's extremely unlikely it's going to be contained. It's already out in too many places. Right. Mm, right. So what that means is you mitigate. What what does mitigation mean? Mitigation means you slow down the rate at which the virus is transferred, and you. Basically, you just you just try to slow down the process, and you do that through social distancing. So you might hear that term thrown around a lot, and that literally means things like telecommuting to work, you know, not having big gatherings of people. You probably heard about the conferences and and you know uh, gatherings that have been canceled worldwide mm-hmm. to, tr- to try to do some of these things. You do social distancing, you do hand washing, you do things like that to try to slow down and lower the number of infections that end up happening
1: what with that comes um a hit to the world gdp (laughs) right so we only have about two minutes left but and, and hey listen you know it's not about money it's not it's not about that but it's just a consequence one of the one of the consequences of this type of situation does mean that people may not travel they may not you know italy is feeling extraordinary pressure right now. Their t- tourism is taking a huge hit, um, and I mean, I'm sure the other countries that are involved are has as well. But that will eat away at. The money that people spend on services and goods, which is what drives GDP, right? And it I may think, may go to a recession. I mean, that's an extreme case, but it could cause a recession.
2: I think the International Monetary Fund has already cut their 2020 GDP growth numbers for the world mm-hmm. by quite a bit. I think they maybe even cut them in half. Right um, now, uh, right now, we're all guessing though. All about right. you know, H one N one was thought it was going to be much worse. Right. Thought it, was fatality, pretty bad. it was pretty bad. They thought the fatality rate was going to be much higher. They thought it was going to be much worse. And then when it got into community spread, it turned out to be a, a lot like just influenza. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, the case that we think, or not, we think like I'm a doctor or something, but, um, even though I could call myself one, we think mm-hmm. that it will go down. Maybe not. It, it will, it will level off, but, but there will be a reoccurrence of it probably in the fall, like a, a spike, I guess you would say.
2: Uh, so there 's a lot of people that believe that this will turn out to be just like the other four coronaviruses that infect people will be with mm-hmm. us and that it will have its seasonal spikes and so there 's a lot of people that believe that I mean at this moment we don 't know right it's it's a it 's a new virus and um so we'll we 'll learn these things but there 's reasons to suspect that that 's one of the possibilities
1: yeah because g d p mark when we 're looking at worldwide markets and we 're looking uh, at interest rates and so forth. Um, And and we don't know either Mark and I or yourself, you know, what would this do to the US market, we did see huge sell offs, um, the largest in US history percentage wise, um, last week, that was a fact. And then this today we saw a boost, you know, a a bounce back sort of um, won't use that terminology that we used earlier. But you know, there are fear uh, associated with this, right?
3: Absolutely, and, you know, some, I, I don't know what the
1: percentage could be, half a point? Yeah, Yeah. Maybe.
2: so, so you, you know how market, markets predict the future. Uh-huh.
1: And so does Dr. Simpson. Yeah. Well, and yeah. We thank him so much yeah. for coming in. It's been very interesting, and I hope you guys share this with friends and family. We'll see you next time right here on the Housing Hour.